It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Happy, happy weekend, everybody. J.C. Sherbert here with the Inside the Gamecocks podcast weekend preview. Um, I would say a significant preview uh, of the happenings around Gamecock land and, you know, not a lot of football. Uh, probably the first time, you know, we hadn't had a recruiting thing or a coaching search thing. Uh, of course, we're in a dead period right now for recruiting, but the visits, as Hill McGranahan on the bigspur.com so eloquently wrote out, uh, are going to start again. And a lot of guys coming in uh, that I'm going to talk about here in a second, uh, I'm going to look at Hill's list and just sort of mention some of these guys. Uh, coming in uh, immediately, almost starting immediately. So we will see, you know, how that all plays out. We talked about recruiting yesterday, the Justice Boone situation. Um, <clears throat> stand by all that. You know, that's if that's really why he went to Florida, I've committed to Florida early, and you don't know, you know, that that's the stated reason, but he may have gone down there and just fallen in love with the place. It's, it's the Florida Gators, you know. So, uh uh, you know, we'll see kind of how that unfolds if they can get him back on campus. Uh, I would say and encourage everyone with that specific situation, do not give up. Do not give up with that one. <laughs> that was a surprise uh, commit. And usually when you have surprise commits, you know, guys end up backing off, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Lenardi moves the Gamecocks off the bubble uh, or his bubble or the, the bubble – the last four out bubble, or next four out bubble. I mean, I guess there's about eight teams. And, you know, there's 26 teams competing for 10 at-large spots. Uh, I think the Gamecocks have work to do. I, I, I've seen opinions out there, everything from they can drop one game and win two in the tournament and get in to they have to win the tournament and win out to get in. Um, I thought kind of their – Bracketology guy, not Lenardi, that was writing about the Gamecocks the other day, you know, kind of changed his tune after the Georgia game that, oh, well, they're not going to get much higher. They have to upset multiple at-large teams at the tournament, and then they may get in. I think that's BS. And honestly, if that's what it takes, then the whole system's BS. The whole system's BS. Because what you're doing at that point, if you're the committee, and the committee changes year to year as far as what they emphasize, is you're just, you know, looking at the net ranking like it's gospel. And you can look at the net ranking, and there are teams with losing records above teams with winning records. Okay? You can't just go off that. Is it a good tool? Yes. Does your net ranking need to be somewhat high? Yes. Arizona State made it last year with a net ranking in the 70s. When we had the RPI, there were teams that made it with net rankings in the 60s. But you've got to sort of dig in, you know, and, and you got to sort of look at, the resume, and if they say that you know these Q1, Q2 wins are important, as they laid out on the broadcast the other night, Gamecocks have seven and could have ten. Now, look, I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to say this: if they lose to Alabama, we're going to talk about that game in a sec this weekend. It is a long shot for them to get into the NCAA tournament because that's an opportunity for a Q1 win against another team from your conference that's on the bubble. Same with the Mississippi State game next week, and God forbid they lose at Vanderbilt. You know, I think that the argument for the Gamecocks when you're talking about if they win out versus if they don't is completely different. Completely different. Um, I think at that point you're looking at a team that's 20 and 11, that's 12 and 6 in their league, that's probably in the top five or six in the SEC standings wise, which they don't look at, obviously, because Arkansas's. Apparently, more on the more on the right side of the bubble than the Gamecocks right now, which I don't understand. Um, you know, at that point, you're looking at a team that's twenty and eleven. You know, yeah, if they go to Nashville, if you lay an egg against Vandy or you lay an egg against a, you know, your your opponent in the tournament in Nashville, then yeah, that that's problematic. But let's say they win and then, you know, they get bounced by somebody like Florida or LSU uh, in the second round or on Friday. Uh, then, look, that's a 21-12 and 12 basketball team, you know, with one Q4 loss, which a lot of teams that are going to get in the tournament will have a Q4 loss. I, I just don't see, 
you know, how you can keep that team out, particularly let, let's say Clemson becomes a Q1 win. Let's say UMass, go Minutemen. <laughs> let's say they, uh, they make some noise and upset somebody and their net ranking gets into the 135 or the 130 range or whatever that is that could cause that to be a Q2 win. And then you're looking at two more Q1, Q2 wins um, against Bama and Mississippi State. And then, you know, depending on who it is, if it's Texas A&M or Vanderbilt, probably not. But if you're, you know, a top 100, you know, the rest of the teams in the league are pretty much in the top 100 net ranking-wise. You play one of those teams first game in Nashville, that's another Q1, Q2 win. You know, so you're, you're looking at adding three, possibly four more and then Clemson possibly becoming a Q1, you know, to me, that's just, you know, that's double-digit Q1 and Q2 victories. Um, and I know the net ranking is important. I, I don't like the efficiency part of it, to be honest. I think that's great for, you know, the national basketball analyst uh, and, and the folks that love analytics, and I love analytics too. I, I think it's one piece of the puzzle. I think winning and losing is the most important thing. Um and so when you have a team that, that maybe isn't, you know, the highest ranked efficiency-wise, but they've won and they've got the wins to prove it, you know, losses, you know, bad losses are one thing. And it'd be, it'd be a different story if the Gamecocks had all these bad losses. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I also think the SEC, the perception of it being down and the league not having the high net rankings like it did last year when they got eight in, um, the Gamecocks finished fourth in the league, but they got eight in. Uh, that hurts this year. It's just one of those things. I'm not so sure it's such a down league. I think there's a lot of teams that are good that are kind of right there in the middle. Um, I think the league, Carolina included, took some bad losses, you know, when, when you talk about the non-conference. They also had some good wins. I mean, you know, Georgia went on the road and beat Memphis. Um, you know, Arkansas, I guess, they're hanging their hat on a win in Indiana. I mean, those aren't great teams, but those are bubble teams. You know, I guess Virginia, for whatever reason, still a bubble team, probably because they don't shoot it well. Uh, but they've won eight of nine. The ACC, you know, not going to get a whole lot of bids this year, according to the experts, which is surprising. Because I, I guarantee you that league is better than some of these other leagues. I guarantee you Clemson – or NC State, or Georgia Tech, or Boston College, or whoever you want to talk about, Miami, in that league is a better team than, you know, they're talking about the Big Ten 11, getting them getting 11 in, the Big East 6, out of a, what, how many teams in that league? Um, but that's just the way the ball bounces. So, you know, and I'm not sitting here complaining. I, I don't want to sit here and complain about a hypothetical because the Gamecocks obviously have to take care of business. But I'm telling you, we're not at the point where Carolina definitely has to win the SEC tournament, you know, to make it in. You know, maybe this is the year they actually do something in the SEC tournament. Man, it's been it's been a uh, it's been a challenge in that particular event for Frank Martin and his group since gosh, what was it? Was it his second year, third year, second year? They upset some people. They won their first game. Well, actually, second and third, they went two and one. Up there, I think they started on Wednesday, got to Friday. They've never been to Saturday, so you know maybe this is the year the Gamecocks just sort of take care of business and advance and do something in Nashville. I mean, heck, Auburn, Auburn won the SEC tournament last year. I think they were the fifth seed and went all the way to the Final Four. Not saying you know, look at this point with this team, uh, I think it'd be great if they could make it in. Uh, then you get a significant portion of the players back next year, um, and then you make another run next season as they get older. I mean, you, Mike Kotsar is going to be a big loss, but how much better are Wildens Levesque and Jalen McCrary and Alonzo Frank going to be next season? I mean, I think they're, I think they're on their way. You know, if AJ Lawson decides, hey, I want to go pro, great. Um, that would be tough. I don't, I don't know that after the season he's had that he's ready. But there's some guards, you know, and people beat up on T.J. Moss. You know, let me tell you what T.J. Moss is. T.J. Moss is a backup point guard. Um, and I think when you talk about him doing point guard things, when, when he's not out of control, and, and this is the same problem a lot of the guys have. When they play in control, they're pretty good. When they play out of control, try to go crazy, 
um, not so good. I mean, Keyshawn Bryant's an example of this. When Keyshawn Bryant hangs out around the rim and gets rebounds and garbage points and, you know, drives and, and gets out on breaks and stuff like that, Keyshawn Bryant's pretty good. When he tries to dribble out on the key or, or, or do something he's not supposed to, like launch a big, long shot, he's not so good. Um, so a lot of these guys, if they just play within themselves, are individually very good. So anyway, but what happens is, is you know, if you make the tournament this year, um, that kind of takes some pressure off because nobody's talking about one and eight and all this other crap. Um, and then you go look to try to make it again. And it's been more than 20 years since South Carolina's been in the NCAA tournament two years in a row. So that's another check mark. You know, I mean, this may just be a slow build, or or it may be, you know, if if Frank Martin finds another job that's, you know, a better fit for him and, you know, whatever, the Gamecocks will have to go through a change. I, I would be, even with the results right now, I'd be surprised if the university made a change. Now, had this been another 500 season or a – another year where they don't make the NIT, or if something happens, they lose the last three games and lose an SEC tournament and um, don't make the NIT, the bottom falls out, you know, I don't know. You know, at that point, you, you got to really dig deep. But I think right now, you know, the best thing to happen would be to do what they're capable of doing and win these last three games. And, uh, yeah, and uh, get to the NCAA tournament. You know, that's what it's all about. It's March. And, um, yeah, they, they haven't been playing all the – look, I, I, I've read this too, that this team has not been playing well. They haven't been playing as well as they played, like, defensively. And it's been different different ends of the court, you know. Uh, defensively against Georgia the first time, I thought that was one of the best performances they've had. Um, winning 75-59 down there. Tennessee, that was kind of a – Tennessee is a team that's going to make you play ugly. And the Gamecocks are just fine doing that. <laughs> um, broke a five-game losing streak against Rick Barnes and his his guys. And, you know, yeah, that was a game where South Carolina looked like they were in trouble, kind of like the game against Georgia, then came back and won. I, I don't think Carolina played that bad against Mississippi State. They couldn't get over the hump when they would make a run and then had this crazy run at the end <laughs> where they ended up cutting it to one and then ultimately lost by three. Uh, and I think LSU deserves credit for how they played. I mean, that, that's the – LSU played – stunk it up against Florida the other night. Against Carolina, LSU played better than they have played in the last six games. They just played good. Carolina didn't shoot it well. And when that happens, you're going to lose, you know. Thank God the Gamecocks won against Georgia, you know, missing free throws. They weren't good. They weren't as good at all defensively. Uh, Anthony Edwards showed you why everybody thinks he's really good. <laughs> um, and Georgia came in kind of with, with some confidence. And young teams that have good players, like Georgia, well, you know, when they're kind of on a roll and they get that confidence, they're a different team. That was a different team than, Carol- than the one Carolina beat in Athens. Eight straight against the Bulldogs now in basketball. So, you, you know, you kind of almost would, would take some of those wins they got over Georgia the last couple of years where – Gamecocks didn't make the postseason and, and put them on 2015-2016. And uh, Carolina's in the tournament, you know, that year. <laughs> so who knows? But who knows, had they made the tournament that year, they may not have, you know, made it to the Final Four the following year. I mean, there's all kinds of hypotheticals you can get into. But eight straight over Georgia, that's that's pretty solid considering the Bulldogs wrecked the Gamecock season in Martin's fourth year. In Columbia, so you know th- that's what has to happen. Now, Alabama is a bubble team. Uh, I think their metrics are really good in terms of shooting and stuff like that. They're probably going to be, and we haven't confirmed this. I uh, haven't seen like a definitely he's going to be out, but it looks like John Petty, who averages 15 points a game for them, is one of their sharpshooters, and they have more. Don't get me wrong, is going to be out. You know, this is a team much like Arkansas, and I watched a lot of the Arkansas-Bama game. Arkansas went into Tuscaloosa, came back and beat them. Um, but this is a team a lot like Arkansas where they're going li- to shoot a bunch of threes and live and die by it. It's an exciting brand of basketball when you have shooters. You know, South Carolina is going to have to guard them. 
<laughs> and prevent the open three, or otherwise Bama will probably blow them out. You know, if Bama's hitting on all cylinders, getting wide open looks, three-pointers, game cards aren't playing good defense, you know, Bama's probably going to win the game. I'll tell you that right now because I, I don't think you can get in to a shooting match with these guys, you know. Carolina's had some games where they've, you know, A&M comes to mind where they've hit a bunch of threes. And then some games where they haven't. I mean, the Georgia game, you know, first half, Carolina didn't hit any three-pointers. Georgia had six. That's why the dogs were leading. Um, of course, points in the paint were a lot different. So, you know, if you're Carolina, you know, the, I, I don't think this is a game that you look at and you go, man, this, is, this isn't like going to Kentucky right now. Uh, I don't even think it's going like going to Mississippi State. And this is nothing against Alabama. But I think Mississippi State's a better basketball team than the Tide, regardless of what the stupid net rankings say. Uh, and, and Mississippi State beat them the other day. Uh, I, I think this is a game Carolina can go. I think they're due against these guys, against Alabama. Uh, remember last year, you know, it was, it was, I think, earlier than this, but Carolina was on the bubble, you know, mid-February or so. You know, they had won enough to where people were starting to talk. I think they got into the next four out. Um, and then Bama came in and beat them, you know, and that wasn't that wasn't a great Alabama team. Uh, I think they made the NIT and fired Avery Johnson after that, uh, after a long bunch of debate and all that good stuff. Hired Nate Oates away from Buffalo. He turned Buffalo into a winner, and he's going to be pretty good down there. But um, I, I honestly think that you know this is this is a different this is a better South Carolina team, obviously than last year uh, when they were playing with seven guys. And, and that was the game, too. A.J. Lawson, who was sort of carrying them, um, got hurt. Game guys lost by six at home. And that kind of ended any chance of, you know, Carolina going to the NCAA tournament unless they had won the SEC. Um, Carolina still finished fourth in the league, a league that had eight bids. <laughs> God, it's maddening. But – um you know, that was a tough loss. Bama's, Bama's kind of cost the Gamecocks, you know. I think, you know, the Final Four team, Bama was 2-0. and uh, They won that double overtime thing, uh, which was one of Cinderius Thornwell's most unbelievable contests. Uh, and then they got the best of them in the SEC tournament. And I remember that day because, you know, Carolina was in, but, you know, seeding and stuff, I mean, you know, I kind of felt comfortable Carolina was in. You never know, but – I thought that, it, you know, they were in. And then Bama beats them by 11 in the tournament. You're like, man, they're going to be an 11 seed or go to Dayton or something like that. But lo and behold, Carolina was seven and got sent to Greenville. And that set everything up for a great Final Four run. You know, some people call that lucky. I don't ever want to hear that. Uh, was it fortunate that the Gamecocks got to play their first two games in Greenville? Yes. Um. Duke had a bunch of fans at that game, too, though. Uh, I think that they, you know, Duke was one of the favorites in the tournament. They beat them, and it wasn't a fluke. They, they scored 65 second-half points and uh, their pressure defense. They, they just outwilled them. Um, same thing with Marquette in game one. Blew out third seed Baylor, and then in a tough draw, because they had played Florida twice already, you know, they came from behind and beat Florida – which was a hot team, you know, that got all the way to the Elite Eight, the Gators. Uh, And then, you know, came back, got off the map, down 14 to Gonzaga, the number one ranked team in the country, uh, and uh, came back, took the lead, didn't quite have enough gas. Nothing lucky. There was nothing lucky about that. You know, lucky is what Darren Horn did his one year at Western Kentucky, which, you know, the USC administration at the time stupidly took as, as, as some kind of sign. I mean, Darren, Darren Horn uh, was at you know, Western Kentucky, pretty good mid-major program through the years. Western Kentucky, I think, has been to a Final Four. He's an alum. He's in year five. He hadn't made the tournament once. They go and they have a – I think Drake was a five seed that year, or it was, it was some team that wasn't from a great conference. They beat them, and then they then in the five twelve game, or maybe it was the four thirteen game, 
And then the 5-12 game ended in an upset, too. And so they ended up beating a double-digit seed to get in the Sweet 16 where they were promptly thumped. Now, let's say Duke had lost and there was a 15 over 2. Oh, Carolina, Carolina gets there. And then Baylor had lost and, and there's a 6. Uh, and then Florida, you know, let's say somebody else besides Florida had gotten through, you know, and, and, and I think Wisconsin was the 8 and they upset Villanova. You know, I mean, look, maybe it was for, it was fortunate that they didn't have to play Villanova in Madison Square Garden and they got to play the Gators. But, I, I mean, when you play a team three times, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, that's luck. Luck of the draw, got to Greenville, everybody got upset, you came out of the East. You know, nothing lucky about that Final Four run. I don't want to hear it. I mean, you can sit here and gripe about Frank Martin all you want and say, well, they, he should go to the NCAA tournament more. But I don't want to ever hear about one lucky NCAA run. They didn't get lucky. There were no buzzer-beater games. There was no overtime games. You know, there, there, there was, there was, it was, they beat uh, 27, 20 to 7. You know, she beat two teams by 20, Marquette and Baylor. And you beat Duke by seven, and you beat Florida by seven. I mean, that's not a, you know, Florida was a reasonably close game at the end. It was the closest. You know, Duke, Gamecocks got up nine, ten, and kind of maintained it. So, anyway, I don't want to hear that anymore. I've heard that enough about the lucky Final Four. There's nothing lucky about it. Say what you want about Frank Martin's body of work. I do think it's important that they make the NCAA tournament this year. For the program's sake, I think it would be huge. I think it would give them momentum. Um, I think Frank's a very good coach when he gets to the NCAA. So the chances of them going one and done, you know, looking at his history, he's never gone one and done. So I think it'd be big. You know, teams aren't used to like playing against his style of defense, and you know, that's tough when you get in the NCAA tournament. And you got to go face that kind of defense. That that's tough. Kansas State, South Carolina, it hadn't mattered. He's been good in the tournament. I think it's been huge. But, but you know, it's, it's two different things. You know, when you talk about a Final Four run being lucky, when the facts were, there was nothing lucky about it. You know, and, and even being seated in Greenville, when you got Duke coming down there, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, there were more Gamecock fans there, and the Tar Heel fans there were pulling for the Gamecocks. But, you know, there were still a lot of Duke fans there. You know, those folks travel for basketball. You know, they're used to it. I mean, I, I, I think I, I just don't understand diminishing that accomplishment, you know, based on the body of work. Everybody's judged on their body of work. But don't don't sit here and say that final four run was lucky because it wasn't. Uh, you people that don't like Frank Martin that, you know, some of you don't like that he's demonstrative. And that's fine. You know, I'm never going to tell anybody how to believe or, you know, what words you do and do not want to hear in public. Um, I think it's ridiculous, you know, in my opinion. It's ridiculous to sit there and not like the guy because he yells and screams. But um, just don't say the Final Four run was lucky because it wasn't. And uh, so anyway, so the Gamecocks, Alabama, um, they'll be favored, but it's a chance for a Q1 win. And it would be gigantic to get this. Unfortunately, even if you get this one, you got to turn around and beat Mississippi State on their return game <laughs> because they're right there too. I mean, these next two, all right, the Mississippi State LSU week was huge. I thought I thought it was bad that the Gamecocks did not win one of those two games. But if you can go two and zero this week, it gets you right back up there. And then, please, for the love of God, you can't lose to Vanderbilt and Nashville. I mean, you just can't do that. Um, so the next three. They win those, I think they're right there in position. Does it sew up a bid? I don't know. I don't know. Does it mean I think the Gamecocks are clearly an NCAA tournament team if they win out and then win a game, one game in the SEC tournament, particularly if that's a Q2 win? Yeah, I don't see how you keep them out. I mean, they could have as many as 11 or 12 Q1, Q2 wins. You know, you're going to sit there and keep a team out because they lost to Stetson at home. Uh, that's BS. I don't care what the net ranking says. So, 
they got work to do. We'll see what happens. I think, you know, guarding the bat, guarding the, the shot, the three-point shot is obviously going to be big. Playing defense is obviously going to be big. It's kind of like football. Take your defense on the road, especially against these guys. Um, and Carolina's got to shoot well and play under control. You can't keep making the mistakes that you make, the dribbling off the foot, the missing of the dunks, the missing of the layups, all that. So we'll see what happens. Tuscaloosa, 8.30 p.m. tip-off Eastern time on the SEC Network tomorrow night. Uh, my good friend Mike Morgan, I believe, is going to be on the call. Last time I talked to him, this was a game he had on his schedule down in T-Town. So Mike Morgan will be making that call. He's the co-host, obviously, too, of the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast. We've taken a little break. we got episode 100 of that podcast coming up, trying to line up a special guest. And with Mike being on the road for basketball and me being on the road for, yeah, I guess I went to XFL football game last week. We haven't had a chance to connect to get that done. But that podcast is still going. You can subscribe to that on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Be sure to check out the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast. And, of course, Mike, a great basketball play-by-play guy, in my opinion. Uh, really great, in my opinion, and a good friend of mine. Uh, we'll be on the call Saturday night from last I've heard. All right, the Ides of March are upon us. And that usually means Clemson and South Carolina are about to play baseball. Highly disappointed. And, and look, guys, I'm not a baseball expert. I'm not, uh, you know, baseball is one of those sports you win some, you lose some. You don't get a too high or too low based on one game. Um, keep in mind, this team last year went uh, two and one against Clemson, including a 14 to three win in game three. Uh, I think they blew out NC State, which was the number one team in the country in a midweek game, or beat NC State. Maybe they didn't blow them out. Yet went eight and twenty-two in the SEC, and this, the, you know, by the standards of this baseball program, dismal failure. Um, and I know the reasons why the end to head injuries, just like every other major team at Carolina did. Um, and there were a lot of one-run games. You know, I mean, you think about it, there were. Uh, a bunch of close losses. If seven of those go Carolina's way, they're 15 and 15 in the league and they're in the NCAA tournament. Seven is not that many when you're talking about a 60, what is it? Uh, 56, 56 game schedule. I guess that's, that's one eighth of the season. <laughs> so anyway, here we are again, Gamecocks and Tigers. That uh, first pitch tonight, seven o'clock from Founders Park. Uh, it'll be on SEC Network Plus, which is the streaming app. And then I don't know, hell, I don't, I don't even know. I think you have this with with certain. I mean, I, to get a- ACC Network, I had to get YouTube TV. Um, and I don't even know if that comes. I guess if you get with the ESPN app and, and say you're with YouTube TV, you could stream it. But the next two are on the ACC Network Plus. Um. But tonight's SEC, 7 p.m. kick not tip-off, kickoff, first pitch. How about that? Been talking too much football and basketball. Um, you know, highly disappointed in the Northwestern series last weekend. Uh, I know those kids from Northwestern. You have to understand, you know, Big Ten teams in baseball are going to – they're going to come with a chip on their shoulder. They get to come south. Um the Big Ten is a porous baseball conference as a whole, although Michigan played for the national championship last year. Uh, Northwestern had lost a couple of games, two out of three in its opener. I don't know. I, I just don't think that – I think there's two things at play here. Number one, uh, it's baseball, and you're going to sometimes lose in baseball, probably when you're the better team. That just happens. But – this is not the time to be doing that. Uh, and and, and the, the second thing is, is it's South Carolina. And, and if you think back to Ray Tanner and his era, you know, it was a it – was, it was very rare that he would drop a three-game series the second week of the season. I mean, Gamecocks most – now, people were kind of iffy about the team if he'd start five and one. You know, now, now – I don't know that he scheduled Northwestern. I think I remember them playing Penn State one time. Uh, Tanner was never much for for tough, uh, you know, out-of-conference scheduling. But I don't know that scheduling Northwestern should be all that tough. 
Um, maybe it is. Maybe it ends up being. Maybe Northwestern's an NCAA tournament team. I don't know. But at South Carolina, the standard is not to ever lose a three-game series to a non-conference opponent, not named Clemson, unless you got – I mean, look, if you're going to do that, you know, let's go get the strength to schedule up. You know, go schedule Oklahoma or Florida State or Georgia Tech in a three-game series. You know, I mean, it, this is basically a, hey – we're a Big Ten baseball school. We can't play any home games till late March. Uh, and I know what the weather's like in Chicago. I've been there recently. Um, hey, can you give us a series? Okay, you know, and that's that's kind of a bye game in football. You, you're, just, you're just not – you're not supposed to lose it. You know, you, t- you drop a game in a three – but anyway, that's a red flag, I think, for the fan base. And because – I mean, I'm not an expert. I'm just kind of a baseball fan. It's a red flag for me for this team. You know, you get off to a good start, you're 3-4-0, and four and oh, you come in, you lose games one and games three. You know, because it, it is bad. You never want to lose game one. And you come back and tie the series, and you have a chance to redeem yourself, and, and then you lose a game in extra. And come on. Come on, man. Um, Gamecocks, you know, snuck by North Florida earlier this week. I'm not going to ever complain about a one-run win in a midweek game, again, considering the midweek nightmare that's really taken place both years of the Kingston era. Uh, So, hey, I think it's a big series for Mark Kingston. I don't know how good Clemson is. They've had their struggles losing to East Tennessee, um, which which I think overall – I was sitting there thinking the other day. I was was going back to, like, 2002 – Clemson was the number one baseball program in the country, and of course the Gamecocks were really good and went to Omaha, and they were in the national semifinals. Yeah, those days are just seem to be far behind us right now in the Palmetto State in terms of baseball, and um, that's sad. I think on both accounts, you know, and and I like Monty Lee as a coach, um, and I like Mark Kingston as a coach. It's just it's just kind of amazing that these two programs are not where they once were. And, and look, our state. There's no excuse. Our state's a baseball state. You know, we've always been pretty good, all of us at baseball. I mean, programs like Winthrop and College of Charleston and Coastal Carolina won a national championship a few years ago. Uh, You know, it's a good state for baseball. So, you know, the two major programs, two big dogs are on display. And we shall see kind of how it goes. I think this is big for Mark Kingston. Uh, I think that, you know, there are higher expectations this year. I think, you know, people are willing to give him a pass for last season because he went to the Super Regional the year before. It was one game from Omaha. But they start, you know, and they were picked, what, fifth out of seven in the East? And, you know, some people were mad about that. I wouldn't worry about where you're picked. It's where you finish. You can't finish that way, you know. I mean, because this is year three. You got to turn it around, man. <laughs> you know, you were in the super regionals two years ago. Let, 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 let's just, you know, let's get real. You know, this program's on three of five years missing the NCAA tournament right now. Can't be four of six, or or they're you know probably should think about a change if you're Ray Tanner, um, and probably should. Really go and try to hit a home run. Um, you know, nothing wrong with hiring Mark Kingston. He was, you know, considered one of the up-and-comers. Um, if you look at his career, though, at, at uh, Illinois State and then at South Florida, there were years where – and those two jobs aren't great. I mean, he resurrected both of them. But there were some up-and-down years. You know, it, was, it wasn't the consistent consistency um, – that Gamecock fans are used to because Ray Tanner, as a coach, was very consistent. I mean, yeah, the College World Series um, trips were in, you know, three-year clusters. But, you know, the expectation was to be in a regional every year, hopefully win it. Most of the years, Gamecocks were in super regional. You know, that's the expectation is consistency in baseball at South Carolina. Um, and so if you look back at his career in those two schools, you know, and the question you have to ask yourself is, are the, is it those two schools or is it him? 
or is it, or is it kind of how he rolls? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I'll say this. I think if, if a change ends up being made, and I'm definitely not saying that a change needs to be made here before the Clemson series, or I probably won't even say that until, you know, I don't know. I don't even know if I will. I'll let John Whittle do it, okay? Then I think next time you got to pay attention to the resume. And, and I've seen this in other sports. Darren Horn is an example. You know, Darren Horn, as I mentioned earlier, good mid-major job, and and Mark Kingston had no – he had two dog poop mid-major jobs. South Florida should be good, but they're not. Um, Two mid-major jobs up and down. You know, Darren Horn had a good mid-major job, four years of the abyss, and then one good year. you got to worry about the guy that's had one good year. That's why I think in football – the Eli Drinkwitz hire at Missouri could be a spectacular disaster. It could be outstanding. You know, I may eat my words, but there's a better chance it's a spectacular disaster because, you know, this is a guy that's going to have to still learn how to be a head coach. He stepped in and got all Scott Satterfield's players and recruits, which Scott Satterfield's built that thing over time, and App State's been really good. And, you know, yeah, he went and won. He beat the Gamecocks and the Tar Heels. But, you know, also lost to Georgia Southern, and, you know. So my opinion, my opinion is uh, that next time you go get a coach, you need the guy that's taken, you know, whoever, Chicago State. (laughs) Uh, By the way, I think Eric Hyman is the interim or was the interim AD at Chicago State. Their basketball team's 1-24. Let's see if he – maybe he'll go hire Darren Horn to take that job. Pillar Northern Kentucky's coach. But, um, you know, next time, yeah, I want the guy, if you're going to go mid-major, I want the guy that's taken a, a team consistently to the NCAA tournament. Um, and, look, I know he went to try to get uh, the Florida coach, and that was that was a good move. And, heck, it almost got done in Florida, not won the whole thing. Um, also, you know, the Michigan coach, pretty good guy, pretty good coach. It's not. I mean, Michigan's a great athletic department. Not easy at all to win in baseball at any Big Ten school. Um, go make a play for the Louisville coach. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's South Carolina. Um, you know, it, it's a job that, you know, unlike the other two sports where you're like, well, yeah, Frank Martin got to a Final Four and, you know, Steve Spurrier had some good years in football. You know, baseball, you know, they didn't – they didn't just, oh, nah, nah, boo-boo, we made the College World Series a couple times, great. You know, this is a team, this is a program that's played for the national championship, folks. Played for the national championship six times. Won two of them. Uh, been to Omaha multiple times. Won SEC championships. Uh, the SEC in baseball is the toughest league, just like it is in football. Um, great home field. Great facilities. The, the fans care. You know, this is a great job. So I say all that to say this. Important series this weekend because everybody around South Carolina wants to beat Clemson. And I've said before, the basketball game, look, great. You know you know why it was great that Frank Martin won that game this year? Number one, because the Yahoos that hate Frank Martin can't hold that against him, um, losing to Clemson. Number two, because Clemson's in the ACC. They have a tough strength of schedule. They're pretty good this year, and that's going to help the resume come March Madness. That's it. That's it. The football game, which I have not even talked about on this podcast because they were so uncompetitive, that matters. You know, um, that's another built-in excuse with Will Mutt. And I I don't know that game to game, you know, you can say, I mean, like like getting beat 56-7 to your first year, with a freshman quarterback, Jake Bentley, eh. You know, 34-10, to 10, which has been Dabo's worst team, you know, the last few years. Yeah, Gamecocks looked unprepared. Their defense played a terrible game. They were making stupid penalties. Uh, I don't know what the hell the offensive game plan was. Uh, and then after Jake Bentley throws a pick six early, everybody just gives up. So, yeah, that was inexcusable. That was a lot like some of those games – against Florida State that he coached at Florida. So, red flag. 
because that was a pretty good Gamecock team that should have really given them a game. The next year, everybody's celebrating because the Gamecocks lit up the defense. And they did, and you can't take that away from them. That's like the Final Four. People want to poo-poo on that. They want to poo-poo on that with Jake Bentley because, well, no, Jake Bentley threw for 510 yards against Clemson. That, that is a fact. The defense was hurt. You know, that, that, that particular result, you know, you don't really mind. You know, the two games in Death Valley, you don't really mind. But then, then to be – and look, it's not the matchup because you knew going in Carolina was going to get skunked. You knew it. You knew Clemson wasn't even going to have to play that hard, and they didn't. Uh, you go into that game, and there's no try. There's no – I mean, it, you're just beat. Trying to, well, well, we're just beat, you know. And, and, and things got to be that bad by the end of last year, you know. Uh, there was no attempt at an – up like Alabama earlier in the year, at least there was an attempt at an upset. There's no attempt. Um, nah, nah, let's just get the season over. So, you know, I'm not saying Will Muschamp's going to beat Clemson in year five because he or should beat Clemson. You can't help hang that on him. I know they're one of the best teams in the country. But that game matters in football. And eventually it's going to have to – they're going to have to win it. You know, I mean, yeah, I know that sounds crazy. Eventually they're going to have to win or at least be competitive. You know, they're again going to be one of the better teams in the country next year. And then the next year in 2021, after Trevor Lawrence leaves, they're going to have another nasty defensive line like they did the last three years. So, I mean, they're, they're just kind of restocking. And you've got to get close to them talent-wise. I understand all that. But you also have to, you know, be able to match wits with their coaches, which they haven't been able to do. But, like, one half of one game, like one part of one game, you know, Brian McClendon and Jake Bentley getting them in the right play, you know, had a great game play calling against Brent Venables, and that's the only matchup they've won. Everyone else has been, you know, they, you know, Carolina can't call a defense against them to save their life. Uh, you let Kelly Bryant go up and down the field on you 2017, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that, that's a subject for the summer. Point of all that is, in football and in baseball, this matters. It matters in football because it always has. And it matters, and all this matters more than basketball for reasons I've, I've explained. In baseball, it matters because these are the – these two teams, these two programs, have been among the best in the country. They've met in Omaha four times. Gamecocks have won all four of them. Um, but these are two Cadillac programs when it comes to the sport of baseball in a Cadillac of a baseball state. You know, it matters. So if you're Mark Kingston, you want to get some goodwill, because listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you don't win this one, you get into SEC play, and you got a really good Georgia team, second series. I mean, you know, it, 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 it can get a little precarious. And, and there's a lot of negativity right now around the athletic program, and rightfully so. Because the minute everybody starts to get excited in a positive manner about something, something happens. You know, that LSU loss the other night, perfect example. Now, like I said... LSU's a good basketball team that decided to play well at, at Carolina against the Gamecocks, and the Gamecocks didn't play so well, and that happens. But that's disappointing. You know, the fact that this basketball team lost to Boston U and Stetson and now has to fight and claw to get in the that's disappointing. You know, the football team going an unforgivable 4-8 and eight with Will Muschamp's best team is disappointing. You know, I, it, it, we're in year two of this kind of stuff. Last year was not, you know, last year 7-6 and six in football, 500 in basketball, terrible in baseball, injuries all over the place. You know, the injuries been a little bit better, but 4 and eight's 4 and 8. You should never, in South Carolina hadn't had a four, hadn't had a season that bad with a coach that coached the whole season since Lou Holtz went 0-11 in 1999. Lou's worst year was 5-7. and seven. And the Gamecocks were three and nine during the transition from Spurrier when, when Spurrier and Elliott for that year. So, so think about that. Since the zero and eleven year, which ironically was also the last year South Carolina lost to a team from North Carolina, and they lost to two of them this year. So now you got a two game losing streak, which is embarrassing. Uh, Carolina hadn't gone four and eight, so an unprecedentedly bad football season, a basketball season that. 
quite frankly, when you look at the historical norm and how they're performing in league play, I think it's been a good year. I don't think you can call it a bad year. But yet again, some of the things you thought that would be fixed from the year before, like losing games you shouldn't, they lost twice. And I tell you, if they hadn't lost those games, I don't think we'd be worried about the bubble. I think we may be worried about losing. We'd be sitting there worrying about the Alabama game. They could lose and put them on the bubble. I mean, I don't know. You know, with stupid net ranking, I I have no idea. It's impossible for me to predict. But the point of all this is, is that Gamecock fans need something to feel good about. I mean, I'm with you. You know, everybody thinks because, you know, I try to deal in facts and not get too upset about things and emotional about things in a negative manner like fans because I think that's y'all's job. I think my job is to kind of tell the truth and to give my opinion. And a lot of times I think it gets misconstrued as positive because I like to point out why things may work out. Because ultimately it does me no good to sit around and, you know, when there's a situation that could work out, to sit there and pee all over it um, and smash, try to smash your hope. That's the job of Clemson fans on the Internet. They do a great enough job of that. Ah, Marshawn Lloyd, oh, he's overrated. Ah, Carolina signed a five-star. Oh, Clemson didn't want him. You know, I mean, and, and so other fan bases do that job. So people, people think I'm like Mr. Pollyanna. And then I'm not, you know, I'm sitting here just, oh, well, you should just be happy with me. No, hell no, you shouldn't. You know, University of South Carolina has spent too much money and come too far in athletics the past 20 years to just say, oh, well, let's just go back to the 90s. Look, the reality of the 1990s was this, and it was a great decade, by the way, because I, I grew up then. I loved the 90s. And I loved, you know, what happened in the 90s. We know you do, Bill. I'm going to say this. The 90s, South Carolina had been an independent wilderness with incompetent leadership for decades. The, the AD, when they came in the league, King Dixon, was the worst AD of all time. And I, I don't care if Ray Tanner sets the Colonial Life Arena on fire. He will not be a worse AD than King Dixon was. So you got this guy in charge of the transition. You have to go get, and then you kind of get off of him and go get McGee, and he kind of straighten things out. But but South Carolina, across the board, and and honestly, had they not hired Steve Newton in basketball, I think basketball wouldn't have gone in the tank at least. But uh, anyway, you know, South Carolina was an independent in the wilderness, uh, and you you shove them in the Southeastern Conference in 1991, 92 for basketball, and 1992 for Football? You know, the only sport they were able to really compete in was baseball. I mean, that takes time. And then you then you then you have McGee that, you know, smoke and mirrored it and built didn't build facilities, but did hire great coaches. I'll, I'll give that to him. Um and so you're behind a decade in facilities. You know, everyone wants to talk about the history. Oh, the history's mediocre. Well, yeah, because you have never been you've never been committed until the last twenty years. But the commitment is there, and the results have come. So this is no reason to sit there and go, oh, well, you know, you got to know your place. No, you don't. You're winning national championships in sports like women's basketball. You know, South Carolina women's basketball is pretty much irrelevant before Dawn Staley got there. It takes the right person. You know, it's hard to make a hire like that. But, you know, there's more than one way to do it. You don't have to just go – Hire the Michael Jordan of women's basketball to come in and, and get your, you know, various programs going. And the, like I said, facilities are there. Go take a go go back in time and look at the campus in 1992 versus the campus right now, including Williams Bryce Stadium, which is getting yet another facelift. The money is there. The support is there. South Carolina, you know, will probably it doesn't they don't have to be a national power year in and year out. And and they and in football they probably won't be, but you know what? Outside of Alabama, what team from the SEC is going to the playoff every year? You know, Georgia just won three straight Easts, and that's the first team to win three straight Easts since Spurrier did it at Florida in the nineties. You know, Auburn is a, in my opinion, a one of the best football programs in the country. Well, they've had a few years where they go eight and five. 
LSU won the national championship this year. Year before, they were 10 and 4, I think. Year before, 9 and 4, 9 and 3, 8 and 5. But a lot of years they've piled up that aren't that good. I mean, you know, you're never going to have, you know, you're never going to have the record Clemson does because you're not in their situation. But you can beat them, you can win the East, you can have a successful program. You know, we've talked about the challenges of basketball, and then, then there's no excuse for not being not just good but great in the sport of baseball. You know, it's, there's just no excuse, none. You know, and, and that may be people people talked about, and I don't know that I necessarily agree with this, that when Tanner left, it was Alabama football. Well, it was close, you know, because it's hard to be good year after year after year after year and be consistent in baseball. Very consistent. I mean, it's 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 – you look at game by game results; it's an inc- it's pretty inconsistent sport. But you know, probably yeah, you know, a lot like LSU baseball. You know, it, it's a program Texas baseball before you know te- every athletic program at Texas hit the skids. Um, you know, so there's no excuse. I mean, and it may have to be like Alabama football, where you keep firing coaches till you find the right one to bring it back. You know, Bear Bryant leaves. You know, you, you, you go through Ray Perkins and Bill Curry, and then Gene Stallings comes in and gets it back up, you know, one national title, and then some pretty good years winning the SEC West or whatever. Then he leaves, and then it's Mike DeBose and Mike Price for a little while, and then Mike Shula. And then finally they said, all right, we're going we're gonna to go get Nick Saban. We're not going to be told no for an answer. And then Nick Saban brings that thing back to where it belongs. And if that has to happen with this baseball program, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. But hopefully, because I like the Mark, Mark Kingston hire, and I'm a smart guy, and, you know, I, I thought he overachieved his first year, got the team together, and they were sitting there at 20 and 17, and they turned it around, made the tournament, and went all the way to the Supers out at Arkansas. Arkansas was, what, an out, two outs away from a national title? And actually won a game in that Super Regional. Um, you know, and, and the Super Regional's about, you know, when South Carolina has good teams, not great, but good teams, that's kind of where they usually finish up historically is in the Supers. Um, and unlike Chad Holbrook, when he got to the Supers against Oklahoma State the last time and didn't win a game and got shut out, or I think the game has been scored one run in both games, uh, you know, he won a game. They went out there and battled. So, anyway, that, that, that's my thing about you know, Mark Kingston, and, and I think it starts right now. You know, there are, you know, you only have so many outs in a game. We'll use a baseball analogy. I think he's running out of outs. You know, it's a long season, and, you know, he's turned it around before mid year. Um, but you can kind of see, I mean, if this team is mediocre like the last year's teams, God forbid they go 8 22 in the SEC again, you know, that's unacceptable for this program. You know, because at that point, you're sub Holbrook level. So, you know, we'll see what he does. Carmen Mudzlinski, 1-0 with an 0.64 ERA versus Sam Weathersby, 1-0 with an 0.9 ERA and 20 strikeouts for Mr. Weathersby, the Clemson starter this year. So pretty good pitching match. And then, uh, of course, Thomas Farr is in the, in the lineup. I don't have the rest of the – well, wait a minute. I'll give you the rest of the pitching matchups before we – before we sign off here, I know I've been going on and on today, but it's uh, – I love doing this. You know, this is kind of – I'm kind of like uh, – I'm kind of liking the monologue format. Uh, those of you that listen to conservative talk radio, and I'm not saying I do or I don't, but but style-wise, you know, it's kind of like a like one of those guys, you know, that just sits there and goes. Um, of course, liberal talk radio, if, if such a thing exists – um, they probably do some monologue. Okay, so Saturday, and this is at Circa Park. So two games in Columbia this year, uh, one at the minor league stadium. Um, I, I, I never thought Clemson would agree to this, but, I mean, I, I, I'm glad they did, you know, because, you know, you're kind of – it is a neutral site because there, there are a lot of Clemson fans in the Midlands, so it's not like, you know, you're on the game track home field or anything. But Circa Park right there in Columbia near the old Bull Street Mental Hospital, home of the Fireflies. Uh, they're going to play there. Thomas Farr, who is inserted into the pitching rotation with Brett Carey going back to the bullpen. Uh, 1-0, 3.86 ERA, five strikeouts 
only 4.2 innings pitched this year uh, against David Sharp, uh, who's 1-0 with a zero ERA for Clemson. 11, in, 11 innings pitched, 12 strikeouts and a walk. Uh, and then Sunday, Brandon Jordan, 1-0, 1.64 ERA for the Cox. 18 strikeouts, three walks this year. Against Spencer Strider, 0-0 with an 0.0 ERA, 5.2 innings pitched. One walk, nine strikeouts. That Sunday first pitch is, um, let me look. Okay, so tonight's at seven. Uh, Saturday, the neutral site game is at four. Uh, and then Sunday at Clemson is one thirty. Uh, and, again, next two games are on the ACC network. So, enjoy your weekend, Gamecock fans. You'll have a chance uh, I guess if you go to the baseball game on Saturday, you can still get to the Vista, to your favorite establishment, or back home on the couch, depending on where you live in the Palmetto State. I'm kind of thinking about Columbia folks here. Uh, to watch basketball game, basketball games tip off is at 8.30. So enjoy this weekend. It's a Clemson Carolina is always a great baseball series. Uh, like I said, huge one, I think, for Mark Kingston, uh, and a huge game for Frank Martin and his team. And um, then we'll see kind of – you know, with the recruiting stuff here the next couple of weekends, how all that goes. I did not read the visitors, and I'm sorry for that because I got off on a tangent. Let, let me just actually let me actually go through those for you um, right here. And this is for VIP subscribers to the Big Spur. So I probably shouldn't, you know, shouldn't do this, but uh, I think um, I think I will. Uh, just because most of you are VIP members anyway. Anyway, this is a taste of what you get. So March 1st, uh, which is Sunday, visits start. Sam Reynolds from Alabaster, Alabama will come in. Not sure about his offer, uh, whether that's to come to camp or not. Uh, then March 5th, you know, four-star corner, Omarion Cooper from Lehigh Acres, Florida. Three-star athlete, Bryce Hill from Raleigh, North Carolina. And then Colton Gautier, um, last I heard on him, I'd be surprised if he was the quarterback in this class, but he's coming back for a visit, and you never know, uh, from Dakula, Georgia's coming in. Uh, then down the road after spring break, March 20th, quarterback Will Crowder from Gardendale, Alabama. I kind of like him on film. March 21st, big game, big day. You got four-star defensive end Javari Ritzy from Kernersville, North Carolina, three-star linebacker. Renaria Dilworth from Kernersville, North Carolina. I love those two prospects. I think – those would be, if I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, the prospects the Gamecocks should sign, those are the two. Oh, here's another one, 2021 three-star DN Nicholas Barrett out of Goldsboro, North Carolina. And then four-star defensive end Kevin Gilliam from Highland Springs, Virginia. We talked about Justice Boone. If the Gamecocks got the three defensive linemen I just mentioned, I, I don't know. Would they be, would there be room for Boone? I, I don't know. Um Boone plays a different spot. and I would say, yes, you'd always want to oversign to get the top in-state defensive lineman. All right, so I read the visitors list. I didn't want to disappoint you with all that. But anyway, I will be back Monday to review the weekend. Um, hopefully we're sitting here talking about positive things. Uh, if not, we'll talk about negative things, and I'll continue to have great empathy and sympathy for you. Because um, like I said earlier, you know, a lot of people think, you know, I'm like this freaking spin doctor, I'm not. Um, I think it's my job to communicate things and facts and tell you how things could happen in a good way uh, and a bad way, really, because I, I tend to break both of them down. But uh, I think it's, uh, the, like I said, the job of Clemson fans and other fan bases uh, to kind of beat on you why nothing will ever work and it's gloom and doom and all that. I think that's their job. Not my job. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm telling you like it is, I understand your frustration right now. Um, and, you know, I, I'm here to talk about it. Uh, I'm not going to run and hide uh, from anything. Uh, you know, as far as if things go south of baseball, basketball, football, you know, I, I'm, I'm all about solutions. And, and it's, it's to the point now where there's been like a solid, you know, almost two years of frustration. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, the results on the field. I mean, you think back, you know, 2017, you had nine wins in football. We all knew it was going to kind of be a, a rebuilding year in, in basketball because of the Dozier leaving and all that. 
Uh, baseball makes the Super Regionals. Um, I think, wait a minute, 2017, 2018. Yeah, yeah, 2018. You know, that was Kingston's first year. Uh, so that wasn't a bad year. Then last year, you know, seven and six in football, that, that football team won some good games and, and scored some points in some games, but it, it ended terribly. So you got that ending. You have a bad start in basketball. Uh, you have a a, a, a a turnaround in basketball with the, you know, the, the, the season they had in the SEC, then a disappointment at the end. Uh, but there's hope for the following year. Uh, and then baseball was a disaster. So, so, so last year, 2018-2019, was a freaking disaster. All right, there's no other way to put it. So you have hope for this year. Will Muschamp says he has his best team and goes 4-8 and eight and loses to North Carolina and App State and gets blown out by two SEC East rivals that he has owned in Missouri and Tennessee. Blown out, 20 points each, blown out, both due to terrible coaching. Okay, especially on the offensive side of the ball, team not being ready, does beat Kentucky, does beat Georgia. That's frustrating. Losing to App State at home is inexcusable. I don't care if you have. I mean, look, Kentucky didn't have a quarterback either. They won eight games and won the Belt Bowl. They figured it out with a wide receiver. Then basketball comes around. Good start till the Boston University loss. They're not competitive against Wichita, which was a bad look. Not competitive against Houston. Things aren't. Things are just looking terrible. Then you know they, they kind of turn it around, get it back together. Clemson, Virginia. Then Stetson happens. So, so so you see a pattern here with the two seasons so far. You keep getting the rug pulled out from under you because after you beat Georgia, you know wow. You know people are talking about the Gamecocks winning the SEC East. In basketball, after beating Clemson and Virginia, everybody's like, man, you know, this is great. They've turned it back around. Uh, just go beat Stetson. Well, that didn't happen. Uh, and then the SEC, you know, and, and, and now, you know, then you get a big crowd for LSU and you lose that one, you know. Um, and, and, and this is not criticism directed at Will Muschamp, Ray Tanner, Frank Martin, Mark Keeson, whoever. I'm just telling you that the, the frustration I share in your frustration because I, I sit there and look at it, I'm like, I don't know how much more these people can take. And everybody can, can wave the women's basketball flag all you want. And by God, as someone that's you know been around the University of South Carolina for years, I think Dawn Staley has the best team in the country. I think they're dominant. I think I think they, they probably will win the national championship this year. Of course, you never when you get down to the Baylors and the I guess the Notre Dames and the Oregons and the Yukons of the world, you know, it's it's a crapshoot. But they are talented and good, and, and there's no end in sight because a lot of them are freshmen. And by God, it's it, it, I thought it was great. I mentioned it on the podcast when the, the women's team played Yukon and beat them like a drum in front of 18,000. I think that's great. But I will say this, not the, you know, nobody, very few people, in the fan base, no matter how much they love women's basketball, want this to be a women's basketball school. You know, I mean, even UConn fans who I think consider themselves a women's basketball school, you look at their message board after a loss, and it's it's kind of like the game cost message board after they lose a football game. Um, even UConn people want their men's team to do well first and foremost, because it's, it's a basketball school. And over the years, they have. Um, we'll see that what, what getting back in the Big East does for them. They may be on their way back. Um, you know, and, and heck, they were pretty good in football a couple of years. Gamecocks ran into them in 09. I think they went to a Fiesta Bowl under Randy Etzel. But, you know, no, nobody's sitting here while Clemson's winning national championships in football. You know, you've always had – Two great bas- men's basketball programs right on your doorstep in Duke and North Carolina right up the road. That's all They've always been there. Um, when Georgia is winning the SEC East every year, you know, Florida's coming in and getting your players now. Out of, you know, nobody wants to talk about how great you are in women's basketball. And that's not sexist. That's just a fact. And honest to God, some years when, when Carolina was – you know, crap the bed in football and crap the bed in men's basketball. Baseball sort of saved it, but nobody really sitting there talking about our great year in baseball either. You know, there, there's two revenue sports. And 
it has been, over the last two years, extremely frustrating to follow those two programs. Extremely. And then you throw the, 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 the crapping of the bed by baseball the whole year last year, and then against a Big Ten team at home last weekend, and you're like, man, we're, we're, <laughs> you know, how much more can you guys take? You know, that's my question. Uh, and I hope you don't have to. I hope you don't have to. Uh, that's my whole thing. But anyway, I've ratted enough today. This is J.C. Sherbert. This has been ITG Daily, the weekend preview edition. Folks, have a wonderful one, and we'll holla at you on Monday. Everybody's working for-